So we're super excited this week. We have a guest couple with us. Um, so they'll probably chime in on this first um, introduction. But um, we, if you don't know this, we record at Jeff and Lisa's house. And I walked into, actually, I didn't even have to walk into her house. I just walked up, I just drove to the front and I was like, oh my gosh, Christmas is everywhere and it's amazing. <laughs> I love Christmas. It's my favorite holiday. So anyone that puts Christmas up, I'm like, you are my jam. Um, but everything, I mean, snowmen, Santa's everything, even we, even we like really hard this weekend. Yeah, I'm sure you did done. so much work. There's a couple of baby Jesuses in there. Oh, baby Jesus yeah, too. Yeah. yeah, we did remember. But that. even like glasses, you've switched out mugs and stuff to Christmas. I mean, all, I'm talking all out, even over <laughs> kitchen cabinets. It's amazing. It makes me so happy. I want that coffee mug. Thanks. How many ounces does that hold? Oh, it's sixty two. <laughs> Sign me up. So side note on the mug thing, I have a mug that a friend gave me and it says joy on it and I love it so much. And it's Brian's go-to mug all the time. And I was like, Oh, I need to, I need to find that mug for him. Surely that brand has, and I've never found it. It's probably been two years. I've been looking for this mug. And, um, because if it's clean, it's the first one he uses. And so finally we were in Fredericksburg not too long ago and we're in this store and he's like, Oh, I really like this mug. And I was like, well, it's nothing like my joy mug. And he's like, what's how big the mug is, like how much it will hold. And I was like, Oh, I never even thought to ask him that question. I was just looking for the mug. You just thought I loved it. It says joy on it. I'm going to use it every single time. No, you're going to use it every day of the whole year. We didn't even put it away. It's said, so now I'm like, oh, clear, like clarifying questions would probably be good in this case because I just thought he wanted that mug and it was just because he loves big mugs. So we need to get him that mug. I like big mugs and cannot lie. <laughs> we all heard it in our heads. Okay, here's my rebuttal to that. I feel like the coffee gets too cold too fast in a big mug. Have you noticed how fast this guy eats and drinks? <laughs> He's down that to is true. really fast. So question, when do you put up Christmas decorations? Okay, so this is actually the first time we've ever done it before Thanksgiving. And we've done it way early, way early. What? But um, Lexi has sold me on the idea that I put out like four bins of fall stuff in September. And it stays up till Thanksgiving. And then I put up about... 25 bins of Christmas stuff for a month. And she's like, that just doesn't make sense. You work that hard to get it out. You should have it longer. And then Kennedy came down for the weekend to, um, little Scotty got dedicated at church this week. And so we had people over and so they wanted to have the house decorated for that. And so I said, if y'all will get after and do it, then we'll do it. So they did. They, they jumped up and just work. We worked hard for two straight days and got it done. So it is beautiful. I, I love won't it. lie. I love it. And it's been rainy all weekend, so it's been perfect and cold. It's just the ambiance of the lighting, and I just love it all from the tree. Okay, tell us um, what's the latest with the house. We closed on it. Woo! <laughs> Y'all officially own it now? We own it now, but we're not living in it yet. We still, the builder still has the code to the house. We're like, you can come anytime you want, because there's still a ton of stuff that needs really? to get done. But we'll still move in. It is... What day are we on? It's the beginning of the week. And so we'll move in this weekend um, and we'll just, you know, take it as it comes. It, 
It's a work in progress. Yeah. So we move in this weekend and then on Thursday is Thanksgiving at our house. And so the whole family's coming. We have like a week and a half before they all come. No. Yes, we do. Homeboy. It's Monday. From now. Yes. If we we move in in. this weekend. Well, from now I'm saying. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, it'll be fine. As how, how many how many things, if you could count, do you think still need to be done? About five hundred and twenty-eight. <laughs> just no, guessing. Just touch-ups, cleanups, a few electrical things, and then all the yard. all the landscaping. Oh, well, that can be done after you move in. That's not as bad. You can. Yeah. So it'll it'll happen. There's a lot to do, but anyway, I'm so excited. And I have to tell you, before we moved in, the date was probably October 13th and we had left the house and it was evening and there was a house that was my favorite. They're my favorite neighbors of all time because they already had Christmas lights on the front of their house. And so I don't think it's ever too early to put up Christmas because why not? I mean, I kind of wonder, some people like have a tree up all year and I just feel like they'd get pretty dusty. You can switch, you know, they... They decorate it based on the season, but I feel like it is kind of fun to... Just get you a leaf blower. You can dust it off. There you go. Just roll it outside and dust it off. Yeah. So anyway, I'm just curious about what y'all think. I I will say my great life hack that we did this year is we shrink wrapped the tree. So I left what I call my foundational ornaments, which are like the big bulbs that like go way deep in there. And then the ribbons and all of that. And the biggest pain for me in life is fluffing a stupid Christmas tree. And uh, so we just wrapped it on up and took it to the basement and it sat there for a year. And then we pulled it upstairs and it was relatively unscathed. We unwrapped it and just kind of floofed it a little, but that was the best. Well, that's brilliant. Floofed it? Floof. Is that a word? (laughs) Floof? There were only like two spiders, so it's a pretty good deal. (laughs) Are you being serious? No. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. So anyway, what about you guys? Eric Holly, welcome. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Is this a show? Podcast. A show. Yeah. (laughs) Welcome to our our random show. So throw. I would love to know your input. What do you think about Christmas? When do you like to start decorating for Christmas? Well, we kind of go all out on Christmas, uh, but we wait till Christmas Eve. And uh, we've done that not for... Not to decorate. Well, not to decorate. Oh, no. I was like, hold on. No, no, I'm going to throw a jack also, wagon in there right now. We don't, <laughs> no. We don't do that. No. no. Christmas Eve is pretty amazing, though. We typically do a hayride through, like, grasslands and load the kids up on the back and get it all lit up and decorated and Santa all that comes. stuff. And so, Santa, Santa So y'all do show. y'all's own hayride? We yeah. do. Oh, wow. Yeah. There's well, a lot we of have food. we have enough children, so we can pull that off. We used to, awesome. I used to really go all out, oh, yeah. like all the, the snow villages and the fake snow and the things everywhere and the five, five Christmas trees. Yeah, and we, we have somewhere along the Christmas way I got trees. tired and I couldn't, that's I, impressive. I couldn't do it anymore. And then the kids, we would have like Christmas decorating night where we had eggnog and pizza because that's what I grew up with. And it was still just me while they ate pizza <laughs> yes. and, uh-huh. and drank eggnog. That's so. awesome. No, I just, I'm like, no, we get one tree. I don't, you know, I know I always tell them like three gifts were good enough for the baby Jesus. So it's good enough for you. Okay. <laughs> but I don't think that applies to Christmas trees. So I don't need to have one, <laughs> but I really was like, we're going to parent back here. This is ridiculous. So 
Yeah. Years ago, I used to have for every holiday, you know, I don't know if it's a South thing or a Texas thing or just a Alyssa thing or a Jolly thing. Cause that's my maiden name is Jolly. But, um, we would decorate the garland. We'd put garland up around the front door. Y'all familiar with yeah, that? Wait, we oh, did yeah. that. We used to, at our old house, we did that. So I did that for every season. And oh. so that thing legit did stay up all year round. And then I had a kid and I was like, never mind. I'm never doing that again. Mm-hmm. And we sold it all and never did it because <laughs> it was really pretty, but no, it just takes too much time and it's almost not worth the effort. So what were the different themes throughout the year? Valentine's, yeah. Easter, fall, Veterans Day, no. 4th of July. 4th oh, yeah, of no, July. 4th yeah. of July. Yeah. Um, and Christmas. Martin Luther King Day. No. Columbus Day. <laughs> no, those were the main ones. Groundhog Day. Yeah, there was one. What about festival. Yom Kippur? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> It was fun. It was good, good times. But then after a while, when we stopped doing it, we're like, people really don't do that around here. Anyway, that was fun. Awesome. So I, I feel you though. After, after a time, you're like, yeah, no more mm-hmm. of that. I just have to survive, mm-hmm. you know, just get through the season. Right. With my sanity. It has to be livable. Although I still do garland around my door, just not. Like mine has little red trucks on it. and Oh, cute. Cause it makes Eric, he told me after 23 years of marriage, he was like, listen, um, I don't really like your Christmas tree. And I was like, you shut your face. Wow. <laughs> That's a lot of work that you don't like the Christmas tree. So That's he was true. like, it's really busy. And I was like, it's a Christmas tree. So that was our very first argument when we got married was the Christmas tree. Cause I did it the way we did it growing up. So all white lights. Oh, you did gold. it wrong. Yeah. Okay. I did it wrong. Isn't that wow. funny how that works after like, they're like, I don't like that. I'm like, well, this is what I know. This is mm-hmm. what I do. Like we have a tree. That no, the kids cannot touch. It is perfect. Decorate. My mom comes over. That's why I can use the word perfect. Cause with me, I'd be like, my good enough. But she is so amazing. And so the kids were like, we want to decorate. I'm like, don't touch the tree. <laughs> we're going to have to get you your own tree. So they have their own little trees in their room that they can do whatever they want with. Holly has one. But then, so, you know, then yeah. looking back, I'm like, well, that's silly. I don't let my kids touch the tree. It's probably something I need to reevaluate. No, yeah. I will move your ornaments if you didn't put it in the right spot. See? I yeah. will. When you're not looking. Just didn't look right. It. It's like. It Sounds doesn't like live there. It doesn't live there. <laughs> Sounds like Jeff's mom. <laughs> well, my mom did used to do that when we, she would let us put up our annual ornaments and then, it, but she left them all year, all season. And then when Christmas Eve came, she would like oomph the whole room. Like she made the tree more perfect and the presents were lined up perfect. So you walked in, it was really like a fairy came and just did over the whole tree and everything like that. So I always do that when the girls like Christmas Eve, make everything just magical. I turn on Christmas music. So when the girls come up the stairs, like Christmas music is going and Santa's cookies have been eaten. And that's my favorite, my favorite feeling in the world. That is really cool. I like that. I've never thought, you know, I think when the kids are young, you just are in survival mode just to get the, get gifts together and assembled and all the things. And so that would be the last thing on my, my, on my mind is to fluff a tree and to make it look prettier than it already did, you know? Yeah. So that's a really cool idea. That's a really good job. I was just thinking how many times that I come down the hallway, like, Oh, Santa put out too many cocktails. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. I can't put this today. Merry Christmas. Please don't photograph anything. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's cool. Well, awesome. You guys, let's, uh, I think this episode is coming out on Thanksgiving, so I love that we started the conversation off with Christmas, but let's get to it. 
Welcome to the Marriage Unfiltered Podcast. Together, the Carters in the Fields are pursuing Christ by working to make our marriages a ministry. But the process can be difficult and messy. So, we decided to take off all the filters and record our discussions as we ask the hard questions and learn together. We invite you to join us as we all seek to know God more intimately, strengthen our marriages, and change our family legacies. Yeah, welcome, guys. We are going to um, conduct another interview. We have two. I'm so excited. I know. Two of our favorite people are joining us today, and we're going to have a conversation to celebrate and acknowledge in November is National Adoption Awareness Month. And I like this thing that we've kind of jumped on as far as find out what that month is and go with that theme because God's placed so many people in our lives that have way more experience in places that we don't have any. And this is definitely one of those fields. Fields. Um, I want to ask you, have you ever considered fostering or adopting? So when Brian and I, yeah, I mean, I really did want to consider adoption and I would, it would come out of my mouth and Brian would do the, uh, absolutely not. So he would, he would shut it down, but I, it was on my heart for a season. What do you feel about that, Brian? What was going through your head? Nope. I I just, I mean, when we first got married, like the last thing I wanted to do was have kids. Um, and so I was just very selfish. So I didn't even think about that kind of stuff. So. So when I ask you about it, talk to you about it. I was, I was, I've, I've always said that I was the no man. So she would say something. Nope. I've actually thought about it a little bit and we've talked about it just very, very surface level. Um, Alyssa and I are the same yet again in regards to that. Just, uh, you know, I actually, or you sent that stat, which I'm sure we'll read later. Um, and it's, you know, definitely tugs at you thinking about that type of stuff as far as how many kids are in foster care and how many are, how many, how, what was it? How many are actually, how many adoptions actually take place or something mm-hmm. throughout the year? <clears throat> yeah, he went, I mean, our kids were, this was probably five or six years ago-ish. And I finally was at, ah, they're driving themselves, they're tying their own shoes, they're wiping their own butts. Why am I going to get more children? Like I, you get to this point where you anticipate your last kid getting to these different phases. And I just was selfishly thinking I just need a break from raising children and I we have so many people in our lives that foster I grew up with a lot of friends who fostered and adopted and I know how difficult it can be and so I was working full-time and if I was going to continue to do that I also knew that would be a challenge because I felt like that that kid would have needed any of the children would have needed me attentive and there as much as possible at least at the beginning so that was something that you know, we definitely differed on and, and I, obviously we're not there anymore now that we've got grandbabies everywhere. I still, I feel again, like, whew, I didn't even make it out of, but there's somebody else's kids. So that's great. That's great. That's right. <laughs> it helps when they come with their own adult. Yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> mm. Um, cool. <laughs> yeah. I sort of think about the, I'm sure you guys will comment on it, but 
like we were thinking about it maybe five or six years ago. So now that kid would be, you know, eight to 13. And we've got all these other little guys around now. And you really got to think about the long game. <laughs> it's yeah, not an sure. impulsive Yeah, I don't, I don't think that, but that, that door has never closed for me and the, and Brian and I never talk about this, but if there is a situation, like we've had family members who have taken in teenage kids and you know, their parents are on drugs and they get kicked out of the house and things like that. Like I'm always going, I'm never going to say never to any of this stuff because I want to be open to wherever God leads, including, and it doesn't mean that I have to foster to adopt or even adopt or what, just to, just to be a safe haven for whatever that looks like for a child. Um, so it is, it's constantly open. Like even in this house, I'm like, we have an extra room if something ever were to come up. So, um, that's just where my heart is in that. And I think I would agree with that personally for us. Yeah. When we bought this house almost four years ago, we were searching for our next house. Our prayer was that God, whatever this next place is, it's yours. And so whatever that means. And so we've had somebody living in our basement. Uh, I mean, we've had, we had Sarah for a little bit, a young lady who just needed a place in town temporarily. And then now our kids and we host a lot of things here when we can. And we've tried to say yes, when people need to use our backyard or whatever. And if that meant somebody needed somewhere, you know, my heart definitely for single moms that said, I just need somewhere, you know, and it's, there's those situations have come up and I've offered and God's come through and provided them something, but we're not going to say no, but we're not going to go pursue it. Probably not right now. (laughs) Um, so I want to know, what does the Bible say about adoption? And if you two have that on hand, that'd be great. If not, I can scroll and look. (laughs) I don't know the actual verse, but the Bible's very clear that we are, we're all examples of adoption. Once, um, you say yes to the gift of Jesus Christ, that you're grafted into the kingdom of God and that you're adopted in, and that's a permanent thing. And even... What I love this about the law. So if you just look at it from the law standpoint, in the state of Texas, once you adopt a child, they are yours. There is nothing that can you can do. You can't say, I'm done with you. I don't want you anymore. You can't do that. You can't disinherit them. You can't go and unadopt them. You you are that is a permanent bond that is forever legally recognized by the state. And it's the same way with God. Now there is nothing that we can do that will say, I'm done with you. And he makes that abundantly clear. I wish I knew the verse. You probably do. You're a faster uh, Googler than me. You don't know it. But I love that. I love that that's the, in those scriptures, it talks about that, how we are, that uh, adoption is a picture of God's heart for his people. Well, Galatians 4, 5 does say God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that he could adopt us as his very own. Yeah. You know, and and if you think about it, we are not natural born children of God. We are. I mean, you know, He made us, but but as far as like His people, we're not His people. The Jewish people are His people, and yet we're grafted in with the same rights, the same, rights, yeah. the same responsibilities, the same benefits, the same Father. That's awesome. Well, every time I come across a verse in the Bible, um. What I notice is almost always orphan is tied in with widow. 
So mm. it's like, it's a depiction of somebody on this earth that's been left without someone to care for them. And I do know that scripture is clear that we're called to care for those, the orphans and the widows. And we're, when we tithe, we're to tithe to those who need us first because they, their caretaker has been has left, whatever that looks like. Yeah, James one twenty seven says, Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress. There you go. Yeah. What what scripture was that, John? Uh, it's James. James. Yeah, James uh, one twenty seven. Man, what? chapter in the whole Bible. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to hear y'all's story, Eric and Holly. I want to. I would love to know how far back you want to go. Just share your story. We haven't even talked about how many kiddos you guys do have. So, um, would y'all be? Is this a good time for y'all to sure share? Sure. Um, Can I nope. read some statistics? Sure. Did you read the questions? No. <laughs> I don't read anything. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Nice. Let me let me look that There's up right now. To this. <laughs> Sorry, Les. Okay, so you and Brian should just communicate about these things and <laughs> listen how to show up. Yeah, that's what we do, Jeff. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is what happens. <laughs> how long have we been doing this? Two years, actually, like two years, three years. Has it been three two years? years? No two way. years. Two years. Two years. Two years. A little over two years. <laughs> yeah, we, we <laughs> keep saying that. Jeff and I just show up. Uh, okay, so um, this is according to the U.S. adoption statistics. Um, around 391,000 children are in foster care. 115,343 children are adopted each year, approximately. One out of 25 families with children have adopted. That's really interesting mm. to me. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um. Only about 114,000 foster children are even eligible for adoption. So 391 in foster care, you know, like a fourth of those are less than a fourth, you know, around a fourth of those are even eligible to be adopted. They're just usually temporary Yeah, we care. had a lot of kids that, that we never had the opportunity to adopt. Um, this, one's, this one breaks my heart. 58% of children spend two to five years in the foster care system. Yeah, right. 11% spend over five years. Yeah, the state of Texas has been, um, in recent years, has been doing a lot better with that. They used to keep foster kids in the system and honestly age them out, you know. Well, because the goal 18. is always reunification. Yeah. It's never to, they want to keep families as intact as possible. So they end up staying in care while they try to give birth families every opportunity. And they were just giving them unlimited chances, basically, was what happened with it. And and uh, to the detriment of the child, where the child, you know, is waiting for the parent to do their services and, and take care of their business. And so where that child can come home and they'll do a little here, but not a little there and won't satisfy requirements. And then what you've got is it's just a circle of kids um, just coming and staying in the foster care system with this hope that maybe something, something will change, uh, but there's no permanency. And so without permanency, um, you can't really build on your life. You know, if you don't have the very basics of, of your life together, you know, where, where am I going to live and Mm -hmm. who's going to call the shots and who's going to be my parents and what rules will I live under and, and all that stuff being, uh, unknown, well, it, it, it creates a a big void in in the heart of a child. Mm -hmm. Um, and that can transition over into adulthood and, and all that stuff. Well, in this time of the year, you get a little bit of an uptake 
in um, children that are picked up and put into the system because holidays are really stressful. Right. And, um, and so they'll, they'll get, um, they'll get kiddos that and we've, we've had a surprise kiddo before during the holidays. And that's why I just love people that donate, you know, they, they'll pick out, you know, one of, one of those foster children's uh, gifts and they'll, and they'll donate to it. Um, our kids got blessed by that many times oh, that yeah. we had over the years. And then we would, you know, and especially when we would get that surprise kid that, um, mm. When we got one here, I think she was 14 and she got a Barbie in some men's black shoes. And I was like, okay, this is not going to work. We have to do something else. And people came through, but it does, it does happen that there is that uptake because it is so stressful and families are at their breaking point financially and just things happen. Yep. It said 115,000 were adopted year over year, but only 114,000 are generally eligible for adoption. So what, when does, are, are, is every child in foster care before adoption? Yes. No, no. Well, I guess, yeah, you could have yeah, a surrogate. You, you can, or, you can or do surrogate, all kinds of different types of adoptions for yeah. sure. No, um, but they are in, to, yes, they are in foster care. They have to be like in foster care to be eligible for adoption. Okay. So they would be in care. Oh, yeah. I was talking about like, um, uh, say, like a family type situation where um, I had a, um, a family member and they got on drugs or something like that. And I went and I adopted their kids, you know, well, gotcha. yeah, still might, still might qualify they're, to care They're too, still in but, care at that point. There's no, like, any child that's uh, eligible for adoption, there's been a lengthy process of trying to reunify the family. And then once it becomes apparent that that won't work anymore, um, and it's not a possibility, then they will um, And the state of Texas has given them a a time frame now, uh, and under the current law, um, that they have a certain amount of time that if they don't get their stuff together, they're going to petition for termination of parental rights. Yeah, the goal is to achieve permanency for the child. To achieve, and that's the deal, have a permanency. No, that will be really loud. This one's loud. Sorry. It's loud when it's high. Can we can we take a step back and just have them introduce themselves? That's what I was about to do, yeah. And then tell us a little bit about y'all and how long you've been married and then kind of transition into this. Um... <clears throat> All right. Well, uh, Holly, start, start us off. Tell, tell, us, tell, tell the folks, the fine folks listening here. Who we are. <laughs> Tell us about you, yeah. folks. Okay, so did I already say, you said our names. I'm Holly, just in case you weren't listening. And I'm Eric. Um, yeah, and we're the Kunzes, and we've been married 26 years. And we were foster parents, therapeutic foster parents for 12. But we, yeah, What does that years. mean? What does therapeutic mean? So therapeutic uh, requires uh, additional training, and you get children um, that have unique challenges mm-hmm. um, that are outside of the normal foster care experience. And behavioral issues, yeah. or they've sustained some heartache that just requires a little bit of extra time and attention. Well, and what made you come to that? Would, had you fostered children? Let them finish their introduction first. <laughs> she's, before she's you start at peppering the them with questions, like, it's okay. I met the next question. The next, <laughs> well, next question, like what led you to start fostering an adult? Yeah. Well, I met Eric at church. Um, I was 21 and we were, yeah, uh, 23. I was 23. <laughs> yes. There we go. So I was 21 it. and, um, we were doing a youth lock-in. And I, and I was voluntold. Yeah. Well, that's how it works. Yeah. Youth Hawkins. Anyway, um, especially in a little church. And I just, I saw him going to the door and I was like, hello. 
anyway. And then, uh, I, I well, just, then through the, through the evening, you know, the kids are doing their little activities or whatever. And, and, uh, in the auditorium, I start hearing this piano playing and I go in there and it's all the lights are off in there. And I sat and sat down in the back and I saw her playing the piano and that was her first love song to me. Oh, that was, that's points, sir. Yeah, that's some good points. I'm going to write that oh, down. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Let's keep track. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. But yeah, uh, that's that's how we met. Um, and we dated for a while. Um, and then after that, um, she said yes when I popped the question, uh, which was uh, surprising and amazing. Um, but um, there were some challenges as far as moving forward with the family. Well, and when I was 21... I was diagnosed with cancer and when you're a hairdresser with no insurance, you have limited options. <laughs> and so they tried a lot of things, but I ended up having to have a hysterectomy at uh, 22. And that was and before we even started dating. I wasn't dating anyone. And uh, yeah, I wasn't dating anyone. And I mean, I still, I, I knew that I was going to marry Eric from the time I met him. God put that in my heart and I knew I was going to marry him. And I wasn't I, listening. He was not listening no. at all. No. But you know, I'm not bitter about it anyway. No, she doesn't bring it up often at all. Forgiveness. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, I didn't know what God was going to do there. Mm-hmm. And, but I knew, I think I knew from the time I was 16 years old that I was not going to give birth to children because I, there's this guy in our youth group that I used to pray, God, please let me marry him. I will, I will do, I will go to China and be a missionary. Cause that was like a thing when you're 16. And I remember him saying something to me about not, we talked about adoption. We were just riding around together. And I think at that point I was like 18 or 19. And I asked him something about adoption. And he said, I can never love someone else's kids. And my heart said, this is not, nope, this is not for you. This is not the person for you. And Eric grew up with um, fostering and adopting in his family. Yeah, my, my mom and dad have always had a heart toward adoption uh, and toward foster care. Um, they, we've, they've had, I will not say 50 kids. Over a hundred. Over a hundred. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, and, and some of them for a night, some of them for years. Um, and, and some of them never left. Yeah. And some of them never And left. they have relationships yeah. with adult kids that were theirs that call them and talk to them. Yeah. We'll and, see one at Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's sweet. They're yeah, pretty so awesome. They, they were, good they were doing that, that. And, and got into it basically since the time I was like 14 years old. And so I always grew up with other people's children in our home and we shared our home and we just treated how, them. How many kids did they adopt? Um, they adopted, well, that's kind of a loaded question. So my, my mom and my dad, um, they, they met when we already existed. So um, my mother had three boys. Uh, my dad had three kids too, uh, two girls and a boy, but they were much older. And um, anyway, when, when they married, uh, he had actually adopted us because mm-hmm. he didn't want anybody in his house not having his last name. Um, and so they went through that process and he actually adopted me. And so, um, but then later on in life at about age 65, they adopted two boys. Mm-hmm. Um, so my younger brothers are in their mid twenties, which is the age of our kids, <laughs> yeah, the age of our own children. Yeah. So yeah, they've, they've always had a heart of adoption like that. And even toward like, um, a little girl in Africa, you know, that they would sponsor and, and do stuff like this. Well, and, they've never met a stranger. No. Well, There's always room at my mother-in-law's table for one more person always. Yeah. And I was thinking about this earlier too, when we're, when I was thinking about some of these questions, but 
he was really a, an inspiration for us both because, um, you know, he, he told us once, I think very wisely. So when we were experiencing some frustration and didn't know what to do, uh, when it came to some of these kids and, and he goes, you know, sometimes you're going to be the only Jesus that they ever see mm-hmm. and that they're ever going to know they're going to pick up the Bible. They're not going to read it. They're going to see it in you. And so, which was humbling and, you know, you felt inadequate to, to, to do. Um, and, but you know, he was right. You know, sometimes that's the only Jesus they're ever going to see. And, and I know that that's been true for some of the kids that have left our house, you know? So, yeah. yeah. But he was, and he really was the catalyst for that. Cause I had a yeah, big pushback, sure. like, Oh no, no. Even though I knew like God had already started to prepare my heart, because if you pay attention God does that for anything he's leading to you to, he's been preparing the road yeah. and you've been on that road. You just didn't know it. And that's really what happened that I was already there. And, um, we have this amazing support. We had an amazing support oh, yeah. group of family members who were very open and uh, uh, accepting of the kids that we brought through the house, you know, cause they, they had some unique challenges, yep. <laughs> some, all some shapes things. and sizes, all flavors, boys, they girls, things. they had some things. I, I used to lead the worship yeah. at our, at uh, circle J and I led more than one with Holly, on my hip with her screaming <laughs> at the microphone because she was already over it. And I was like, praise Jesus. To give you some context, <laughs> Make a joyful noise. I don't know what to tell you. Get your life right. Our youngest there, one, uh, youngest has, her name is also Holly, uh, yeah. which we got her when she was three, uh, but she has fragile X syndrome. And so she has some uh, developmental uh, delays, deficiencies. She's intellectually disabled. That's the word. There you go. um, And so, um, yeah, so she uh, also had a lot of behaviors that were very autistic-like. And so um, we kind of had to navigate through that and figure those out. And and one of the ways was uh, even when she was kind of a big girl, probably three, four years old, we'd bring her in in a stroller. And that was her little world that she could control, you mm-hmm. know, and, but the people that we were, um, worshiping there was, they were amazing. They, they accepted, um, supported us. Um, and I think that that's so important, you know, just yeah. to have that. There's a, there's a kid at our church and I don't know the family, but they yeah. bring him in, uh, for the 1030 and they worship in the front row. And then after worship's over, they lead him out. And they take him out and it is, and you, you can watch, oh, you get emotional watching him worship. Yep. How old is Holly now? Holly's 19, Mm -hmm. 19. So yeah, we had to file for guardianship and all that kind of good stuff. I had to go through the courts because, you know, when she turns 18, you can't tell her what to do anymore, but you know. She doesn't fully know what an adult is. No, she just plays one on TV. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So uh, walk us back a little bit. Mm To the beginning of this journey, I know it feels like forever ago because I know that you guys have been through a lot, but I want to hear like the very early years, what this was like and um, walk us through a little bit, some of the challenges, some of the ways God's used it and blessed you guys. And I just want to get to the nitty gritty. That's what we do here. I was really idealistic. I think this is something that, um, that, you know, you will hope that love will be enough and you have all these dreams that I'm going to, I'm going to love these kids and they're going to be good and it's going to mm-hmm. be great. And we, um, we'd been married a couple of years. We went through the classes cause that is a requirement. You have to be married at least two years and before you can take the classes and, and be approved. Well, that's how it was back all the then. Things. It's been I don't know. quite a few years. They're yeah. pretty desperate for foster parents. I don't know what the rules are anymore, but they really yeah. want you to have a little mm-hmm. bit of a foundation. So, um, you get to say no to any kid. Like they that, call that you. That was freedom for me. So they'll call you and say, we have, they'll give you like basic 
Like we have this kid, this is the situation. This is how mm-hmm. old they are. Um, yeah. do you want to take them? Yeah. I said no, like three times, like, no, thanks. <laughs> I was nervous. And then, and then I, I was really the nervous. I was like, sure. And well, we have a nine month old Hispanic no, girl. Do you a, want her? It like, wasn't Olivia. It was the boys. We had, we, our first set was three boys and well, it was yeah, a the, really tough oh. thing, but God showed me something mm. through there. Even in my inexperiences that safety is an illusion. I learned that really quickly that it was just an illusion and I had to trust God with their hearts. Um, this was a really tough case. One of the, there were sweet boys and they had the, the little two little boys had learned to comfort their youngest brother. So he wouldn't cry out loud right. because that's when trouble happened for them. Um, mom was hardworking and the father was a stay at home and he actually, um, caused someone else's child to pass away out of anger. He murdered them. Um, I just, I don't know who's listening and I don't want to no, say something that's it, triggering, it but that is, is what is. happened. That yeah. was our first rattle out of the box. And mm-hmm. if he cried, they would rush to the bed and, yeah. sh- and just shush him and rock shush and him. rock. And he would turn over at nine months old and cry into the little pillow. Yeah. And I was shocked at that. Yeah. Um, just shocked. And they, um, it was hard. We got some hard things. I heard hard stories and that just baffled me. Yeah. And I didn't understand how people could treat another human being that way. And I, I remember sitting through those classes and they, they try to shock you. They want yeah. to tell you things. They want you to know that this is hard and it's going to be hard on you personally. It's going to be hard on your marriage because it's a stressor. And, um, and they have a lot, sometimes they're really sick and they have a lot of visits and then they go on visits and they see parents, um, or grandparents or cousins and all they want is to go home. The worst night in their birth home is better than the best best night night of yours because Mm -hmm. it's theirs and they love their families and they want to go home. So you have to deal with readjusting every week, what that's like. You know, I saw my family and now I've got to readjust to your schedule and your expectations. Mm-hmm. And so, and then the, the beginning we had, we had um, our oldest, which is why we got into it because she was a foster uh, child at my mother and my father's house. And I was like, I want her. Yeah. We fell in love with her. Want that kid. Yeah. And I had her for two weeks, all of two weeks. And she, Eric, um, <laughs> I was at choir practice. They called Eric to come get this beautiful baby girl. Mistake. And I was good with one. Like, I felt like, thank you, God, for my full quiver. Here I have this <laughs> uh, beautiful child. I am blessed. And then he walked in our front door and he was like, we're keeping her. And I was like, you take her back. Those are the first words out of my yep. mouth. <laughs> you take her back. We're not keeping her. And we've kept her. Yep. She's pretty great. She is amazing. She's pretty great. I was just, I got scared a lot. I mean, I know that's. Me, so explain that one. I'm so sorry. So the second one, you got a phone call. See, so yeah, mm-hmm. I got a phone call. It was Wednesday and night at a church. And you said and, yes and got her. And, and I, yeah, I did, they just say, it. hey, we no. have this nine month old Hispanic <laughs> girl. That's she knew, she knew nothing about it. I, I said yes. And so I went in the car and picked her up and I picked her up. I remember this so distinctly because we had a baby before who was nine months old, but he was very developmentally delayed. And so he would let you flop him around. And you can move them, just no resistance from him whatsoever. Well, I get a nine month old Hispanic girl, let's go. And 
so I'm in the CPS parking lot. I'm taking her out of the car seat, you know, and going to go put her into mine because, you know, I'm the cool dad. And I go to flop her in like I'd flopped in the other nine-month-old. Well, she wasn't having it and bucked. I almost dropped her right there in the parking lot in front <laughs> yeah. of the CPS worker. And so yeah. I was like, oh, my gosh. And I got her over to the church, and um, and God put a love in my heart for that little girl instantaneously. Um, and, uh, and she... Uh, had a sibling in utero still. Uh, and when he was one day old, we brought him home to the hospital. So within the span of about three months, we had three kids. Mm-hmm. Um, Twelve to newborn. Yeah. Twelve, one and a newborn. Their birthdays yeah. in the same month. Mm-hmm. And so... And, and, and no then, manuals at all. No, they didn't. <laughs> uh, matter of fact, I believe that the first day that Samuel, uh, when, when he was at the hospital and you were changing his diapers, you had an audience of I about did. five people. Because back in that day, they didn't pick up babies. It was really unusual Very that rare. they tried to... Because babies yeah. lose their bond very quickly. So they don't pick up babies. They try to work with them at home, but they had just changed the law. So here's this 24-hour baby and all these nurses are vested and the social workers at the hospital and the doctors. And they're like, come dress your tiny five-pound baby. I was sweating like the 4th of July and I had on shorts on a leather seat. Like, please don't let me. My hands are slippery. I was going to say something else, but it didn't feel appropriate. Anyway... So 4th of July it is, but I was super nervous about that. And I just, yes, I was going to say that, but I'm not. Anyway, um, I packed him up. Oh, I church. Yeah, I was going to say Horn church, but I was like, <laughs> but Jesus loves all of them. All of us. Anyway, um, I packed him up. I didn't know anything about babies. And I took him to the Black Eyed Pea, not the concert, the restaurant. So that would have been cool. But either way, yeah. he shouldn't have been there. No. <laughs> There's no know. way we should have taken no, the kid Nobody out said anything nobody, yeah, like, take this newborn that, home. Yeah. I felt fine. You know, I wasn't... <laughs> I wasn't struggling yeah. with anything. Listen, I've seen the birth process and I like going to the baby store. Like, okay, let me have that one. And I'm going to take that home and I'm going to feel fine and it's going to be great. So why so, couldn't you take it out, take her out in public? He had oh, no, you, the new, a newborn. Yeah. You, you, you keep oh. the baby at home like for a while. Weeks yeah. This is day one. I day one. Black I thought this was like the first day you, you had the child. I didn't realize it was the first day of first day of life. It was the first day. Yeah. We brought him home from the hospital. I promised Jeff was present when the kids were newborn. It was a while ago. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he only weighed five pounds. He's tiny. He's oh, in yeah. creamy clothes. Mm-hmm. So he was a little, little bitty. And I and I remember arguing with my mother and father-in-law about him because he was this beautiful golden color. And she was like, listen, I think he's jaundiced. And I was like, listen, I don't know where you get your experience from, but <laughs> I'm his mom and he gave to me that color. <laughs> and he's always been that color. He was jaundiced as all get out. Was, yeah. Oh, jaundice. Because he was allergic to his formula. So there was all these challenges, right? That well, that having and, to get through. And all that stuff. I mean, that was pretty normal, you know, when it came to uh, after that we got into to foster care. Um we moved to Ohio for a couple of years and we so moved we took back. A break, yeah, yeah, we took a break. Um as the kids grew up a little bit and and then when we came back here to Midland, uh, we got back into foster care. And and as Holly mentioned earlier, we were a therapeutic foster home. And so um, we had children that had some distinct challenges and um, and it was pretty difficult. Um, we did at teenagers times. at first because yeah. we had, and they had to be girls. So we had teenage yeah. girls and we... That was a choice. We had some interesting experiences because they are wounded. They're just wounded people responding out of those wounds. And honestly, 
to be fair, we didn't know enough about wounds and challenges no. to really be able to understand all the way. But I, but I think too, when it comes to that, you know, I don't want people to get a conception that you have to be ready. If, if you're going to be ready for adoption and you're going to be ready for fostering, you're going to be 98 and you're going to just be too damn old to go. Yeah. And so it's, it's not something that you can ever properly prepare for, but that's why we have to draw near to the Lord. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, we have a support system in place and we have other people in our lives so that we can, to, you know, Hey, what do you think about this? I'm going to try this, you know, and they're like, eh, I tried it once, it don't work, you know, and, and just different stuff like that, or just having somebody to, to listen to, mm-hmm. um, and, and have a, a shoulder to cry on, um, somebody to reach out to in the middle of the night, you know, when you don't know what, what to do. I think that's the most common question that we would get is, yeah. is that, or is, they would say, it's not a question, it's a comment. Yeah. I could never do this because it will hurt me. And I'm yeah, like, listen to, listen to me, to give them back. It'll hurt too much. Nothing will hurt you as much as they've already been wounded. No, nope. it just won't. No, nope. they have, I mean, the stories of a father leaving money on a bedside table after mm-hmm. he was done. Um, it will just never, never one, uh, one of our girls has a tattoo. It's the verse that says, go in, go in peace. Your faith has made you whole. She has a tattoo over her very last scar that she ever got as a seven-year-old little girl from her yeah. birth family. Um, that was a, that was the first tattoo she ever got when, and now, you know, she's, she's so wonderland and she's amazing and awesome. Yep. But that's this, it just, it's the truth. You're it's painful. You have to know you're called to it. It can't be something that you do. Um, like, I think I can make a difference here. It's not like collecting cans for a food drive. It's hard, you know, that you're doing something good, collecting food for a can, you know, for people that need food, but these are people with hurts and you can accidentally add to that just by things like culturally, not knowing, not knowing culturally something, what something means. We had the sweetest baby and she spoke pure ebonics, but we, we had things like that, just cultural things where they came from that grandma did things this way or made things like this. And they didn't see that at the table or, um, when it was dinner time, or I had a one girl that she was shoveling down the peas. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, Shoveling down green peas. Now I like peas. And I thought, Oh, and if I noticed that they liked something, I would really try to like, I'm going to make this again. And I said, so you really like peas? And she was like, no. And I was like, that is your fifth helping. Okay. So what's going on? And she was like, it's clean. And I was like, I have to go hide under the table because she was eating out of dumpsters. And so it was clean food and it was safe food. And so she, she was eating it like no tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Because, yeah. and that's, and that's part of that, not knowing where you're going to fall, you know what I mean? And, and not having that solid base, not having that, um, security, not having that foundation and therefore, you know, other, other stuff, you know, art or having a sense of belonging or Mm -hmm. any of that other stuff. Who cares if you don't know where your next meal is coming from? Yeah. If you don't know where you're going to sleep. Sometimes we got it really right. Sometimes we got it really wrong though. Oh, absolutely. We, We um, we tried, we always tried. We got a sweet baby, six weeks old with broken arm, broken ribs, fractured skull, in a cast. You remember he cried from six o'clock at night till oh one in the gosh, morning every yeah. night, every single night. And, and then you can put yourself 
just a little in someone else's shoes because it is really hard. And he had systemic thrush and he was just miserable. So that's, you know, thrush is a yeast infection in your whole body and his gums had blisters and he couldn't even eat with, uh, without being in pain. So I would have to lie to kingdom him up, you know, yep. to do a lot of things and just held him, just, just held him for weeks. Mm-hmm. But you know what I got to see is him giggle for yep. the first time yep. when it was time for him to go home. Yep. I got to be part of that giggle. Yep. And I kept his pacifier in my purse for a long, for a time. long, long time, a long time. Mm-hmm. Right. We've decided not to name any names because it's their stories to tell. And a lot of them are actually adults now that, um, can you imagine any of those kids listening to us? <laughs> <laughs> You know we what I mean? You. We did be our best. So how many children did you foster-ish and how many did you adopt? So we've ad- we've adopted eight and we're about to do- adopt our ninth. Mm-hmm. So in Texas, you can actually adopt an adult. And so the one that was with us that wasn't ever eligible for adoption is now an adult and we're going to adopt her. That's amazing. Yeah, that's She's pretty, pretty cool. cool. So that is, so that's nine all together when, when we finish that. And I think um, it's 25 children that we fostered yeah. over those years. We got long-term placements. Yeah. We didn't tend to get like Jack and Jerry, what would be an overnight yeah. flip. We tended to get kids that were with us for at least a few months, yeah. if not, you know, a year or so. Or even longer. Yeah. So I know that when, especially when our kids were young, like it was hard and just raising children is hard. Yeah. And so I, I can only imagine the toll it took on the two of you individually and then your marriage as well. Can you speak to that a little bit? Because, you know, I think about when my kids were sick, I'm like, I don't know how we're going to get through this. I don't know how. And then the consistency of hard in your life. We had this girl, especially when we were doing teenagers and they were all girls. And I opened the door. She sized me up and I was like, oh, no. (laughs) She already had my number. Like she gave me the once over. And that's a Southern thing. You know what I'm talking about? From the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. And I was like, "Mm, no, no, this is going to be a problem. Okay. And I had to run interference because there are a lot of things in that situation that she was just trying to survive. Yeah. And you see those behaviors as it's just survival skills. They're trying to make the, they're trying to survive and get through what, to get through this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, if you need a drink of water, you ask me. If you need a bandaid, you're going to ask me. <laughs> and I had to actively protect Eric um, so that he wouldn't get caught up in that because it would have, it wouldn't have, it would have been bad for him. And yeah, and, and but I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, Lisa. What you're talking about is like how did how do we maintain our relationship? Yeah, and then you know individually, I mean? like, how do you not lose your mind? Like just knowing that you could be in this for years, or you know, it, it's like I said, this I, I don't is, think that ever came came into my mind as far as like we didn't see the end game. You know what I mean? Like we weren't looking to end game kind of stuff. We were looking to to be parents, and really, I didn't know where that was headed or or how long that would go. Or I mean, you, you always kind of figured it wouldn't be permanent. And I, of course, I never expected to adopt nine children either. You know, but okay. it's just we we weren't in the it. For adop- that. We the didn't fostering process plan. was not for us. 
Yeah. We had a really good support group. Oh yeah. And so we Crazy were very group. aware yeah. of, cause kids are splitters. Your kids that you give birth to, they're splitters. Kids oh, are, yeah. they are natural. They're, they're really, and that's said. why I brought up that story, right? Just because the, the splitting that happens and, um, cause I mean, this was a beautiful girl and she was used to getting what she needed from men. And so I had to redirect that behavior yeah. to, to, you know, the sanctity of our relationship and that this is a normal parent child relationship now, not, um, what you've been used to. Right. So, cause they can be tool. so inured in that, that it feels normal. Um, and so they just begin to practice what they know. Yeah. Um, anyway, but yeah. So anytime you add someone new to a relationship or a group organization, it doesn't matter. You add new people, you shift the balance because you add new experiences, you add new talents, you add new wounds, grief, you name it, personalities, you add the Talent. whole thing. And, um, and we would have to adjust so, and then every time a kid left, our kids struggled. The kids that stayed struggled. Like, well, you have a sense of loss. What am I going to do? I, will I have to leave someday? Right. Um, because this isn't permanent. Um, those kind of, and our kids, we just were an open heart home. We tried really hard yeah. just to be an open heart home. And we never treated, we tried not to. We sometimes failed at that because you do have personality conflicts. So like with the you know, we sort of talk about storm clouds and, and trials and in, mm-hmm. in marriage and they tend to are able to either pull you together or push you apart. It obviously this whole process has been story after story of a storm cloud, but it seems that nineteen out of twenty times it really brought you guys together instead of separating you. Were there and you don't have to give specifics in the story, but were there, were there times where, no, that, that we're, we're, we're disagreeing on this and this is a big fight that we're going to have because of one thing or another through the process or, or did it, did it honestly never happen? Holly's shaking her head. Yes. I can't remember, but yeah. So that would be ahead. more like as our children that we adopted grew and um, then oh, it became true. more of, I don't, I don't agree with this and we're in. Oh, about our, the styles. Yeah. After we were out of the foster care type deal and we had our own kids and, and, you know, and sign sealed delivered, they're your children, you raise your children. And yeah, we would have disagreements on what, uh, manner to take. I, I'm, I'm pretty forceful, um, without, you know, being in the spirit, it can, yeah, I can be a bully. Um, and, and I would use that sometimes and I, I regret even saying that because it was true. I regret doing that with my kids and there'd be times that I would bully them, you know, just, you know, cause I said so, or try the intimidating voice or, you know, something like that. And, and then Holly would try to, you know, try to get me to, to, um, see the softer side of Sears, you know, and, and love and grace. And I'm like, I got your love and your grace right here, you know? And, um, well, and sometimes too, I stepped in when I should have stayed out because I, well, I've shared this before that I grew up with an angry parent. And so I didn't want my kids to feel like Eric was the angry parent, you know, that right. he was to, to be resentful like that. So I grew up that way and I was always stepping in and trying to interpret for him, this is what your dad meant when he said you're grounded oh, for a year and a half bad. and you have nothing. Crazy. He meant, we're going to revisit this in a couple of weeks. Okay. Just, you can earn it back. Yeah. So. But we do that. I mean, with the, our kids that 
we bore. We, yes. I mean, I find so, myself, and you've we talked about that. You find yourself filtering for maybe like Jeff overreacted in a situation, and you have right. to go soften the blow for them or whatever. Mm-hmm. So that's that's totally. It is human. It is human. I think that's one of the things that the head of Casa told me one time is that she was, we were talking about struggles and she said, by Casa, you're using jargon. What do you mean by Casa? So Casa is a child advocacy. Yeah. It's court appointed child advocacy. And I did some um, volunteer work for them Mm -hmm. when I was in school and they're sweet. She was the head of Casa. Her name is uh, Patty Peace Clock. And she was actually our foster home developer when we had a, our, our first three. So she was, she worked for CPS then and just a, a tremendous human being. She really is. And was she, cause I was struggling cause I was like, my kids, I don't understand what they're doing. And, and cause it, here's the root. You think love is enough. And I think I touched on this and it's not, it's not enough. It'll never be enough. Nope. Love is something that children who have been wounded and abused and cast aside don't understand. They don't have context for that, right? You have to have love, I think, as a parent with the realization that that's not what your child needs, or at least a child in foster care. You're going to love them. That's the base, but that's not all that they need. They mm-hmm. need consistency. We Absolutely had a guy, consistency. He, for the first year and a half he was in my home, I had this routine with him. I loved him. He He came out of a really tough situation. He had nine moves from two to four. He was in nine different placements and had a developed an attachment disorder. And I I remember like going to pray over him and he was like, don't you pray that Jesus over me? And he's four years old. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go get some oil and then I'm going to come back and we're going to keep praying over you. Anyway, just this neat, he's just a neat human being, Mm -hmm. but he would tell me every night with his little list, good night. I hate you. I hate it heal. <laughs> he couldn't I say hate ours. Your house. I hate your, I hate your house. Claw. I hate you every night for a year and a half. Every single night. And he had a string of mamas and people that wanted to call him mama or mm. wanted him to, yeah, call wanted him to call them mama. And every night and he had this teddy bear he went to bed with every night. Um and one night, good night, I love you. And he said, My teddy bear said to tell you that he loves you. <laughs> and I was like, You tell that teddy bear. <clears throat> I love him right back. So it's consistency. And, and I think there, there's times when it's exhausting and we would follow. We always talk about how we were two little birds on a, on a branch in a storm, just huddled together because sometimes it was so hard. And you have to know that if you want to do fostering and adopting, you have to know that God called you to it. It can't lie. I said that before. It can't be a whim. You have to know that God called you to it because you're going to hear things that are going to change your life. And God will put that desire in your heart. There won't yeah. be any doubt about it. You don't have to have this like, you know, light from on high kind of stuff. You'll know, you, you know, if God's been preparing you uh, to to take in children and stuff like that, it, This that's something to be like, it's not going to be alien. It's not going to be weird. It's going to be something that God has put in there and that you're going to work out, mm-hmm. you know, uh, with his strength and with his power. So don't be afraid of that. We're, we, we always tell the truth, but that's also the truth is that when God puts that desire in your heart, he's putting it there. And if he put it there, well, the Bible says that he's created good works for you so that you could walk in them. Mm-hmm. And this could be, you know, yours to walk in. And if you're doing it, and you have your hand, this isn't what you expected. Hey, guess what? That's okay too. My strength is made perfect in your weakness. Yeah. The safest so, place to be yeah. is exactly in the center of God's will for your life. Yeah. 
So, so be bold. Don't ignore it either. If nope. you feel like God is tugging you to do something that you're afraid to do, don't ignore it yep. because that's where his strength is made perfect in your heart and in your life. And I think my kids taught me to be more open. I was so judgmental. I was raised in a judgmental atmosphere. My parents are great parents. That sounds like my parents. They were wonderful parents. I had great parents, but I grew up in religion. And um, my daughter asked me one time, why did you punish us with God? And I was like, wow, what? (laughs) Because I used to do what my parents did was like, okay, you lied. So here's some scriptures about lying. And I want you to go write those down and put them in your heart. These six things the Lord did hate because it was King James. Uh So I was in trouble. (laughs) Yea, seven are an abomination unto him. And can I still remember it? Yes. But for her, it was God with no love, God with no mercy, God with no grace. And I unfortunately used that religion against them and, um, and gave them, you know, fresh and new ones. Cause why do something boring <laughs> that was done to you? Done something new and interesting to screw your kids up anyway. Um, <laughs> so that's what we did. And, but God through their lives taught me to lay those judgments down mm-hmm. and to see them as a whole person and not just their struggles, because as they got older and we took these sweet babies in, right? They're babies and we loved them and we loved them and we loved them and we loved them. And if love was enough, oh. they would be safe a thousand times over. Yep. But it's not true because they're still human beings that have to make choices, yep. but they are, but God did tell me to let go to stop over controlling because the more scared I got about the choices that they were making and the things that were happening to them, the more controlling I got. Cause if I could just do this one, right, this one next right thing, if I could just come up with this amazing thing, I could fix all of it and they would be okay. And it's not true. They weren't okay. There's some of them are still not okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's all right. Because they're not mine. I'm only borrowing them for right now. And I get to love on them and find the joy in their lives. And I think that's been some of the things, you know, we, we've struggled a lot. Um, and as all parents, I think, do with some of their kids at one point or another. And, and the thing is, is that I think Jesus has given us the freedom to take them just as they are, to revel in them, to have joy in them to celebrate them. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I'm looking forward to what God's going to do because we have to, t- we've, we've had to take our hands off and just yeah. let go, you know, um, and, and hold op- open that, that handed invitation out just like that. But I'm not grabbing, you know, you can't grab, you can't you know, do anything. Just hold it out there. I'm here anytime for you. And, uh, and all of you guys who belong to me, I love you. They're pretty cool. Yeah, they're all right. That is so powerful. And I'm so excited that you guys shared your heart and were super vulnerable. And I just love you guys a lot. But one thing that I want to say, that was the most serious conversation I've ever heard these two walk through. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) Without humor. (laughs) So one thing, we can totally edit this, but um, Holly usually has me rolling on the floor when it comes to certain things she says. with regard to her children, like for example, where they might be. And so I would love for you to share a couple of those because it just makes me laugh, but it's, it's almost like you just, 
you have to bring humor into some of these really hard places. Oh, yeah. yeah, because Holly, that we talked about earlier, is your youngest. So you have opened your hands and these children you've raised, you've opened your hands and they're flying. And sometimes they fly straight into a ceiling fan. Yes. <clears throat> so we want camp. <laughs> Yeah, tell we we know that this wraps up with a bow in heaven, but on earth, it's not always that pretty. Uh, it's messy. It's an open-ended thing. I think that's the, maybe the piece is like not, I can't wrap it up because they're humans. I can't yeah. wrap them up. And if I try to, I just destroy them. Well, and if you so, wrap them up, that means they're done and they're not uh, done. That's not done. So we have some terminology because I tend to handle personal pain with humor. <laughs> and I remember one of the girls like saying to me, like, I feel like I should laugh. And I was like, I think you should laugh because... <laughs> These are as good as it gets. Okay. So <laughs> tip your waiter. I'll be here all night telling these jokes. Okay. Um, so one of our kiddos ended up uh, in federal prison and you get phone calls from them because, you know, they call you and uh, you have this whole thing set up and it, they tell you over and over again that you're this getting call a call. This call is from a yeah. federal prison. Yes. Like surprise. Like, oh, okay. I thought you were at grandma's house, but um <laughs> And that's where ballerina that's camp her was ballerina like, what? Camp I sent camp. you to ballerina camp. Where, where are you calling me from? <laughs> and then I get so Stop upset. It, Stop it. I'm like, oh. they're like listening. And I'm like, well, they, they probably need some laughter too. Yeah. You guys probably aren't the best to hang out with. I'm just saying, <laughs> or you wouldn't be there. So things like that. And then we had another child that um, was an entrepreneur. He was a traveling door to door pharmaceutical salesman. <laughs> Not like sounds, Alyssa was. Sounds no. better. <laughs> sounds like so. We're so that proud. Sounds very sophisticated. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's Way to go. Like, good job. That's right. My son is more successful than yours. <laughs> and I have. I've just have done. All, our youngest is a hoot. She does all things. She did. We just had this thing with her at school. And my mama bear came out full force because mm-hmm. that's just, I'm not going to apologize for that. You can walk on me, but you can't walk on my kids. And I will run you down and pray for the resurrection. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I will. It's going to happen. Um, unapologetic. No regrets. None. So no I, I had to deal with this behavior issue. And she, for the first time in 19 years, said, will you stand up for me? And I was like, Yes, I will. What happened? Somebody's going to jail. It's probably me. Um, but we're going to get through this. We call that ballerina camp. Ballerina camp. Yes, we're going to yes. go. I need, I'm going to the spa. <laughs> it's going to be great. They're going to um, give me an outfit. See you in three to five. Great, I look great in orange, Slippers. so it's all fine. Um, I make friends easily. Anyway, um, so we kept having this argument about the truth because she doesn't understand with her capabilities necessarily what the truth means. Yeah, I think she's smarter than you think. I think well, she splits hairs. Just she like does, which stuff. is what happened yeah. in this case. So um, one of the staff members had, had to chase her and she kept telling me that she did not run away. She did not run away. She did not. And I was like, okay, she's sticking with the story. She did not run away. She did not run away. She walked away very calmly <laughs> multiple times because I had them review the tape. Like, okay, <laughs> now I look like an idiot. And then I was like, well, you know, <laughs> everybody lies sometimes. So this was her time to shine. But that's <laughs> funny because you always, you, I always hear you go, she's a runner. She <laughs> is. And she didn't run. She, she's swore up and she's like I did not run and she didn't that's semantics she, that's didn't. Semantic. Oh, yeah. she didn't run she walked very calmly multiple times <laughs> away from the building and I was like 
Okay, I see what you did there, but you're still in trouble. Okay, so things like that, we would um, just, I would, I've cleaned, I've been cleaning up, I've cleaned up blood off of my tile floor while Mm -hmm. my father-in-law called me because he had my purse in the, in the car. And I have like this, some sort of scene from Jerry Springer happening in my house, in my front yard, complete with Daisy Dukes and cigarettes. And I'm like, who, (laughs) whose house is this? I have pulled up to the wrong domicile. (laughs) And I, I go inside and I left my, my purse in my father-in-law's car. He called me 10 times. I have your purse. And I was like, okay, I don't keep my purse. (laughs) I'm scrubbing. And I'm just in there like, just like, what's happening? So and was that just a fight? Yeah. Or did someone yeah, get stabbed? Fight. Like, how bad? No, she, I had like this cross from Ireland bad. and one of them broke it over the other one's head. Oh, I don't have that cross anymore. I was really sad about that. Yeah. I mean, it's from Ireland. I can't go get another one. So all kinds of Amazon. just all kinds of stuff like that where I'm going to turn it into a joke if I can. Yeah. Gotcha. Well, we had to, and that's how we dealt with a lot of painful stuff, you know, but, uh, in the end of it, you know, when it, when it all comes down to it, I think that, you know, we just love those kids and, um, and whatever life throws at us, um, they're a part of it and that's okay. And it doesn't have to have a storybook ending. Um, it's an adventurous wild ending and, and slash beginning, well, it's kind of the same with our God. He's pretty wild and he's pretty adventurous too. And so, and they're fearfully and wonderfully made, even if I don't understand them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't have to, right? Um, I, I just get the joy of, of watching them. You know, they didn't understand them. us either. Oh, no. They had no Absolutely frame of reference not. for what mm-hmm. we were talking about. No. And that was kind of, that's, you know, eye-opening and life-changing yeah. when you realize that you're the one that sounds dumb. Like, okay, that sounds dumb Yeah, to me. pretty alien. So yeah. it sounds as much as- What's a bedtime? You know, yeah. It's dinner time, or a first, or a first birthday party, or getting oh, yeah. gifts at Christmas, and oh yeah, you guys talked about like having all the nice little presents lined up. There's people that are so generous that give to foster care. Literally, we just had to throw it up against the wall because it was mm-hmm. in a giant stack, and each kid had like fourteen, fifteen presents and stuff, mm-hmm. and be not like open one, chunk it over your shoulder, open one, chunk it over your shoulder, you know, kind of stuff because of the generosity of different people. And for them, I mean, those, that was, that was Christmas magic right there. And I I love being involved with that. It's great. I, I think, I just think about how all those kids came to be because for most of them, they're like, no, we're not adopting any more children. Oh yeah. And then we would sit through court proceedings where they would talk about our children as the orphan. As the one left behind. Oh, yeah. I remember that specifically where where the judge said, uh, okay, the siblings all have a place to go. What about him? Oh, no, he doesn't have anywhere to go. And and just God put like a thunderbolt of lightning into my heart. The heck he doesn't. Mm. I'm I'm his home. What are you talking? Mm -hmm. Y'all are crazy. And I was like, oh, good Lord. Another He's one. mine. Another one. Here comes another one. Okay. Or the one that, you know, I know this isn't a nice word, but she would get so mad at us. So mad because she was just, just suffering and she didn't know how to explain it. And, and we didn't know how to interpret. We didn't, we were speaking different languages. And uh, I went into her closet and she had written in bright red lipstick, bitch. <laughs> and I was like, thank you. Good job on the spelling. All right. You did that. You did that. Or even Holly. Cause Holly is a grade A um, 
profanity user. I mean, <laughs> oh, she yeah. has mad skills. She can't remember that she has two L's in her name, but um, she but spells she her name holy. you down. But she can, she can give you a comeuppance. She's like, okay. You. Yes. And uh, I remember uh, she's just, uh, she said, uh, I think they had her class in the kindergarten wing. I don't know why. Anyway, that's just the way they had it set up. And they would go to lunch with the little kindergartners and she would get so mad and they would call me and they're like, Mrs. Coons. And I was like, I'll be right there. So sorry about the spicy topics at lunch. (laughs) (laughs) And then um, she has always been a runner. She's been a runner since elementary school. She has a big fight or flight. Actually, she has fight and flight because she's going to kick your ass all the way out the door. That is what is going to happen. And now she tells me every morning, she's like, good morning, mom. I am not going to be a jackass at school today. I'm like, I'm oh, proud of those decisions. Oh, she's loving using the word ass lately. And she giggles. She loves it. Just, I can't even like duplicate the giggle because she's like, I'm getting away with it. I I'm like, okay, ass. you're 19. She told me the other day she wanted a Bloody Mary. And I was like, what? She's at the table. She said, I'm 19. I want a Bloody Mary. And I was like, do you know what it is? It has alcohol in it. You're not old enough to drink. And she's like, I'm 19. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay, you got me there with your siblings. I'm just, <laughs> you beat some of them by some years. So, yeah. but no, we're not, we're not having a Bloody Mary. But she was probably in the, what, the, the sixth grade, fifth grade. She was in the fifth grade and her teacher, they were like doing something in there and she didn't like it in the classroom. It had flooded and they were having to put these uh, rug, what do you call them? You know, where they lift the rugs up and they blow the air underneath them and they're drying the rugs. Well, she didn't like that sound it's and she gets fan. over, st- I it's a thing that you use and you dry the rugs. So semantics. Anyway, um, they were doing that and she gets overwhelmed by noises because she has sensory integration issues. And so she decided to leave and they catch her and they're like, Hey, you can't. Cause she got out of the property. Like she was off. She's over there in a uh, neighborhood in the neighborhood. Cause she was at Scarborough. She's in the neighborhood, you know, just hopping around in there. And they're trying to catch her without touching her. And I'm like, I need you to lay hands on her like the Holy Spirit, please. <laughs> because there's traffic. Yeah. Anyway, um, but they were trying really hard not to do that. And so she got away with it in her head. Mm-hmm. So she does it again. Because they're still having to dry the carpets. And she doesn't like it. They're in a different room. She hates it here. And... Um, they had told her they were going to call the authorities. We're going to have to tell the police officers if you run away again. And so, so she left and all the way down the little kindergarten hall, she's screaming, call the cops, bitches. Oh yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, I was like, that's my baby (laughs) with her little twin bows in her head. Jojo Siwa bows, you know, yeah. And a tutu. Oh yeah. I hate all of you. I'm out of here. Deuces. Oh yeah. God. And they only caught her when she fell off of a fence. Yeah. Again, because she was all the way in the neighborhood. I'm like, all see right. y'all later. Yeah. I did catch her one time at Abel. They called me because she was running. And it, it was like the walls of Jericho. They had gone around about seven times. And I still hadn't caught her. <laughs> and I went, those walls weren't coming down either. That girl was a determined. So I got, I got, I can't, I went on a side door and she's looking back and literally runs into me. And I was like, hello. And she's just sat down and I was like, yeah, give up now. <laughs> Cause I'm not, or things like that. I'll go up there and they can't get her in or out or whatever. And they're like, do you need help? And I'm like, no, I don't need help. <laughs> I need no witnesses. That's what I need. <laughs> 
So walk away now because you're going to find out where she gets these words from. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. Y'all are fantastic. You're such a a beautiful example of, I don't know if it's you guys have enough common enemies that you just back to back fight for each other or you just have from the very beginning been resolved to just fight for your marriage. And I know it hasn't been all rainbows and butterflies, but it, it, to me, when we have conversations, it always seems like you unify with each other and, and agree with each other and have each other's back. And it's really incredible because really half of those situations could have torn a lot of couples apart. But um, you guys are really a cool example of what this month is about. And like I said, we're surrounded by people who are passionate about this and they have foster children currently and I always say like I'll be that person that blesses them on Christmas and uh, even help with babysitting or whatever but it's just something God hasn't put on my heart yet Mm -hmm. and doesn't mean I wouldn't love them um, I'm just not there yet. That doesn't mean mm, I won't. See, I, I don't know. I don't know about that because you you do have a house that is full. You know what I mean? And just because it's not a foster kid who's coming out of abuse or whatever doesn't mean it's any less valuable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that the, you put your house out like that. That That is, it, it's very, I've done them both. It's very similar. Yeah. Very similar. Well, thank you for saying that. That's true. It does feel less uh, sacrificial than what you guys do, but I know it is all sacrificial. So you guys are awesome. I really appreciate um, everything you had to share today. And um, we will make sure we include any of the scriptures that they've mentioned. I'll put a link to that, the statistics. And um, I hope that if this pricks anybody's heart, you step up and just do something. Um, Talk to your spouse first. Don't just bring home a baby, Eric. You, you can't just do that. That's hey, not smart. You can't argue with the results. <laughs> but um, if you guys, as always, have any questions for Eric and Holly, you can reach out to us and I'll make sure and pass your information on to them because they're wonderful mentors, of course. But thank you all so much for listening and um, happy National Adoption Awareness Month. Thank you, guys. Love y'all. Love you. Love you guys. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If you feel others would enjoy our podcast, please subscribe, follow, rate, share, whatever you got to do to get the word out. And if you'd like to get in contact with us, you can reach us at marriageunfiltered at yahoo.com or check us out on Instagram, marriageunfilteredpodcast. We hope you have a great week and we're so glad you're part of this team. I am bad for four it? days. That is so selfless of you. <laughs> <laughs> Jack wagon. And here we go. <laughs> I think they should pray. So, I think the first three seconds, the word Jack wagon came out in this episode. <laughs> I, think, I think we should definitely pray before we get started today.